Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Fresh Paul Presents Dark Matters Podcast. This is my co-host, Marguerite Hill. I am Jay Austin Yoshino. I am your host. This is my co-host. And we are here to bring you deconstructions, critical deconstructions of pop culture and nerd TV shows like Cold-Blooded Gangsters. Welcome, Marguerite. Thank you for joining me. Marguerite is the executive director of Muslim Anti-Racism Collaborative. They are a co-sponsor of this podcast. Please go and check out their social media and um, engage, interact. We have an anti-racism training coming up on October 12th in Detroit. Go check it out. See if you can come get some good training in. How are you? Good. I'm good. I love that. We, yeah. we mentioned we mentioned this briefly because we had an author's copy, but I need to I need to I need to you know I gotta hit the I gotta hit the promo one more time. This is now available on Amazon in Kindle and paperback. Revenge in three, three Muslim authors, three retellings, Count of Monte Cristo uh, uh, inspired. Please go and buy it. Drop some ducats in the cold blooded bucket. Okay. I love so, that in the cold-blooded bucket. No, it is really good. I know we're going to do more programming on Revenge in 3. I highly recommend it. I am such a critical reader, so, you know, like, I'd be, like, very vague about my compliments, but I had a lot of fun. I was able to finish it in two days. Two days. I got through it, and it was it was such a pleasure um, and and in um, dark matters, we're gonna have to go into your thought process, but not today. So, but not we want to give that trailer your world building, which just really, I really enjoyed. So I just want to wow. say thank you. Yeah, yeah, my homie, you, you really much. got it. You really got it. It was really enjoyable. Um, we can just now, we can put away all the old school sci-fi folks and you got to read this man's work. Well, thank you very much for the endorsement. I, and I, I will say, I think we are floating the idea of having a reading slash interview um, sort of dark matter special. No, so I have to not, I, I think it's going to have to happen. Yeah, so we're, yeah. So we're doing that. So keep your eyes and your ears peeled for more news on that. So we're going to, we're going to jump in to the, to the science roundup this week um we got a couple of interesting stories you know i I wanted to spend a brief moment talking about microcellulose materials um we have another story but i want to start off with this fungi story there's a story in futurism about fungi and and it's not just um uh it's not just about fungus excuse me it's not just about fungus but I've always been interested by mycelial microcellulose. And basically that is a material that's very much like leather, but it's made from mushrooms. And I believe there's another um, cactus microcellulose and also wood pipe, wood, wood pulp cellulose. So we're using like naturally grown sustainable materials because, you know, you can grow lots of these materials to make mushroom. I don't know how green the process of making it into leather is, but I'm very interested in it. Save some cows, you know, like Chick Fil A. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, look. not endorsing Chick Fil A here. 
I mean, is it, is it, does it last as long as like regular leather? No, but it's, who cares? You know, we need to start thinking about things that are more sustainable. And, um, there's also a great, a great mycologist named by the name of Stamets, who is like the beginning and the end of everything on mycelium. I suggest everybody go check out his book. If you're interested in like microdosing or like, you know, psychoactive mushrooms or like how fungus can be used to like keep, you know, pests out of your home or just like eating mushrooms in your, in your spaghetti. I think his name is Paul Stamets. You should go read his book. It's It's phenomenal. I can only get my daughter to like more mushrooms. She doesn't like mushrooms? No, no. They're like flavorless. I think it's a texture thing, you know? Like she just has her particular, yeah. you know? Yeah, I would try like deep frying them, like tempura. It's small, yeah. It's... Make it, I, yeah, getting the, the liquid out. But I also think like um, in ways just you know, just hiding it. You just hide it. Does it. Have a, yeah, it does, it does have a kind of an earthy smell slash taste to it also. So I get it. So it took me a while to get over it. The umami, so, you know, the uh, Trader Joe's yeah. has the umami flavor that's made out of mushrooms. And it's not bad. It's not bad. But They have what that's made out of mushrooms? Like the umami seasoning. It's like a, oh, you it's know, a vegan yeah. seasoning and it's pretty yeah. good. So I've it's like you can get too. used to it. Yeah. And a lot of people are, are like, now taking mushroom coffee and, and yeah. it gives a little afternoon boost. So there is a lot of uses for it. And I do think it does, I mean, in different cuisine, like they're using like an Asian cuisine, they use a lot of mushrooms. And I, I think we just got to like, just, I just got to make it happen. Just hide it in our food for now. I think also real quick before we move on to the next science topic, there's also the potential, there are some companies that are experimenting with packaging where they actually grow the mycelium over a mold that they reuse over and over again so that you can package things like, you know, wine bottles and other stuff. And it's, and they, they do this thing where they kind of petrify it. And then once you're done with the package, you can just like throw it outside and it like melts. So that is perfect. We need yeah. more of that. I, I think about um, more the moral, more mushrooms. Yes. More uses for mushrooms and hemp. You know, like, I mean, it's very strong materials, very right. good, very durable. But the, our use of plastic is just, gotta I end. mean, I, yeah, it's, it's got to end this. I mean, I, I understand we're trying to keep things very clean. So the, the idea that mushrooms could be used in packaging, is very promising, very excited. It is. Yeah. yeah, we can always, more pot and more shrooms. Absolutely. <laughs> Make the world um, a better place. A lot more happy people. <laughs> right. Ingest, package, everything. Okay. So where? So the next one, next one is like more kind of up our alley, which is the space tourism, this Virgin Galactic story where Virgin Galactic has kind of a performative, totally not kind of performative gesture has taken the two million year old Australopithecus sediba bone, like thumb bone, and um, the Homo naledi, I think, um, collarbone, which is, I think, 200,000 years old, taking them into space. Okay, and this is, by the way, 250,000-year-old thumb bone from Homo naledi and the 2-million-year-old sediba. So these were both discovered in South Africa, and obviously the oldest hominid 
bones to, to date that have been discovered are in were in South Africa or in Africa, and so it's been widely accepted by people that Africans are the original humans. So um, there are other countries out there who are digging up their their soil looking for proof that they instead are the first humans, but I don't think they're gonna have much luck. So. And by the way, this undertaking was taken in conjunction with the University of Witwatersrand. So initially, I was just like, oh, yeah, this is some serious, like, just PR garbage. But then when I saw the Witwatersrand University, I was like, this is some straight up white supremacy. So any thoughts on that? Any initial thoughts? Any impressions? Like, why? Like, what community needed to have these ancient bones brought out to outer space? Like, well, it, it, it says in recognition of the con- of the contribution of the first hominids to, and it's like, dude, recognition of contribution. None of you would be here, right? Like, your con, our country, like, like Black folks' contribution to the space program is you exist. Yes. And and honestly, if you if you if you wanted if you wanted to make a real gesture instead of a performative one, you could respond by simply just letting us exist too, right? Without messing yeah. with us anymore. Yeah, I'm sorry, stop please killing continue. us. Stop killing us, you know. And 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 if it's, you know, like the 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 yeah, I mean be better to the environment. There's some some minor changes we could make, you know, to like at least lengthen um our opportunities for for some change. So, yeah, I mean it's just I mean it is PR, but a lot of the PR for these companies is you know, about domination is really about trying to control that narrative. And I, I just find that just like this meaningless, but very expensive gesture, you know, I mean, you're just really like, and very risky. Like, I think, I mean, yeah, I think it was like a very risky thing, just knowing that, um, you know, these ships don't always make it. And they took this thing that's like priceless, like you can't put a price tag on it. Um, and they just put it in space for no reason whatsoever. So Yay. Yeah, and they did it. Qui- they did it quietly, right? So just in case the ship blew up and like, so like, a couple of things that, that people need to know. University of Witwatersrand, and I may be mistaken on this, but they still teach their curricula in Afrikaans. Hmm. And I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Witwatersrand is actually a very kind of exclusive area. Like, not everybody. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's still a very like white area. So, and it wasn't really hard for me to make the leap between this little move and what has happened with the remains of the people from the move move house at the University of Pennsylvania, right? How those two universities basically hijacked like the bones of those people who were murdered by the police so that they could teach an anthropology course. Or is it paleontology? Oh yeah, you haven't heard this? It's it's wild. No. So it's like this is even worse to me because it's like you're like you're acknowledging first of all, you are you are releasing 6,600 tons of fluorocarbons into the atmosphere with this stupid stunt. Um, and second of all, you are, in this performance, acknowledging the contributions of the first humans, blah, 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 blah. But you still haven't acknowledged this sort of lack of sovereignty for the people who are indigenous to South Africa and the fact that they are still kind of beset by these like white like racist settlers right by teaming up with a basically a racist university 
You know what I mean? So, like, well, I mean, I won't say it's a racist university, but I'll say that, like, you know, I think the fact that they still teach courses in Afrikaans kind of says everything about it. Like, all courses should be taught in Corsa and San and Zulu. That's it. Or English. Yeah, I mean, wow, Virgin Galactic. So this is (laughs) space tourism. Wow. I mean... We're gonna have to talk about this. I'm gonna have to study this. I'm gonna have to better okay. understand space tourism. What are the goals? What are the things? There's obviously careers in Virgin Galactic. Um, what is what is the equitable way to do? What is the like to do <laughs> space tourism? Are they gonna have like a affirmative action for it like so you know this is crazy. well so I, there's an article on fresh pulp magazine um about this actually um which i forget the title but i'm going to tell you in like two seconds it's called the new space race space exploration or space exploitation and it was written by me and where i break down the mathematics of space tourism um you know, Jeff Bezos once said in an interview that he wants to create factories in space so that they will have will have zero emissions factories. Like all the the carbon emissions will um, will be in space. Um, and I debunk that idea because not only if you as a human being are flown up to space, you're you're going to have to fly people to space to use these factories. First of all, um, second of all, you're going to have to fly materials and then finished products from space to Earth. So you're not really reducing carbon emissions. Uh, by doing that and not to mention if you are a factory worker living in space in a zero-g environment you would have to rotate back to earth probably about once every six months or suffer long-term like health effects like permanent health effects but also what's to say that like jeff bezos can't be sitting in his office right and like he sees that productivity is not what it should be and he decides to turn the heat off you know what i mean or like turn the water off or like turn the, the artificial gravity like, like no dude the other thing is is that um they're saying that within about five to ten years, space tourism is going to eclipse normal air travel or air travel in terms of pollution. So expect that within ten to fifteen years, that um, that hydrocarbons from fuel, because uh, current SpaceX engines use diesel, which is really dirty. Um, and so one of those launches produces about sixty-six hundred, like I said, six thousand tons of, of, of carbon on top of another three thousand tons of water. And people go, "Oh, well, it's water; it's not a big deal." No. That water actually remains in the atmosphere in an aerosolized form for like two years. So during which it has an additive effect on global warming. So right now you're only having a few launches per year per platform. But if you go into tourism, you're talking about potentially tourism and eventually industry. Like, you know, transporting people to Mars, asteroids, whatever. You're talking about potentially thousands, if not tens of thousands of launches per day. So imagine the destruction that would cause to the earth. It would accelerate. Um, and also I want to remind people that people aren't trying to explore Mars so that because so that rich people can go leave Earth and go to Mars. Okay. Under the worst circumstances, Earth will always remain a paradise to humans compared to Mars. Right? They're not trying to they're not trying to go to Mars so that they can escape Earth. They're trying to send you to Mars so you can make them money. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, I can, um, I mean, I know, like, they have these, 
you know, it's like Air Force One, which could be like a temporary plane that can escape, you know, nuclear holocaust. But I mean, yeah, like the survival through like a nuclear war would be much easier than surviving Mars or even just space. Like the conditions just seem really, really rough on the body, just like the amount of resources that it would that it would take. I guess for me, the big concern that I have is space junk. I don't think space is very Ooh, safe yes. with all of the junk that is out there. Any one little piece, like a little piece, a speck of paint, just flying out there, speeding along can just rip holes into things. So we're gonna see a lot of space casualties with all this space junk that is lining out there. I mean, if we thought the oceans were bad, it's like, I mean, I, I can imagine it's, like they, there's just so much junk on the moon. So, you know, yes. what are we going to do about the that? They, they do have an effort, quote unquote, supposedly they're contracting people to clean up the space junk. But I feel like that is kind of cartoonish at this point. You know, like that effort is kind of like, let's deploy giant nets and catch the space junk. And it's like, sure, but you would have to accelerate that net to equilibrium with the junk, which would be like 25,000 miles per hour, 14,000 kph which if you're off by even a couple hundred kph is going to destroy the net. Like, do you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's also ill-conceived is my point. This, you know, like just a giant a magnet of... there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of what we're doing right now, it is like the hubris of modern humanity is just so bad. And it's like, I mean, we're just really flying too close to the sun and, you know, I mean, and then not even solving like our major issues. So, you know, I mean, what, what we've seen, I know with the submarine, like that was, I mean, it's really sad that, you know, this young boy was caught up in that. I feel really bad for him. Um, but you know, and this tremendous cost of that, but yet we haven't done anything to clean up the oceans and, right. um, and, and the devastation that it has. So yeah, like when I was, um, I don't know if there was that one episode during Ahsoka when they were like flying through and they were like those giant creatures and, you know, like those bullets, like I, I kind of felt some kind of way about them shooting. Like, I'm just like, yeah, like I know it may not would harm those. I don't know what they were. Those giant space whales. planet. They were like giant whales, like giant Lovecraftian whales. Well, yeah, I know they were. They were, you know, they were actually interesting. I, I, I feel like I can, they were interesting. I want all the BTS, you know, um, their conception, their life. I want, I want a series with their whole like life history and, you know, and something, you know, something happening, you know, but it was like, what were they feeling? Were they like mosquitoes for us? We're like, ink, ink, The flora you know, but still... and fauna, the flora <laughs> and fauna of Star Wars, narrated yeah. by Sir Richard Attenborough. Yes, we totally can do that. I mean, there's, I know there's, what's his name? Um, He has like the, where they kind of do that space show and they're like, this is what it would look like. And just Neil Tyson DeGrasse. I mean, he's just, yes. He is no Carl Sagan, who is like one of my first crushes. We love Carl Sagan. I, I'm, I can't even disagree with that. You know, I can't even disagree with it. Especially when my man, like, Every time I saw I see a flat earther on Twitter, I would share his video about about Earth and how you calculated the diameter, you know, and how like 
I forgot who it was, how some like Greek mathematician like paid somebody to walk, you know, from like two different cities. And then, like, and I was like, dude, just watch that video, man. Stop with this flat earther nonsense. Like if he were alive today, like a lot of this like nonsense would not be going on. Listen, I mean, he really ignited a love of science. And I just don't think that Cosmos now really gets that. Like, I, I wish I could just show my daughter something where it's like, I mean, we've watched some some documentaries, we've watched some things, and, and she's kind of like, eh, but the old classics with the nature shows. I mean, Sagan sat there and used, like, a, a, a paper, a, a poster board prop, right? When he was explaining why the earth is round, you know what I mean? You know, he's like, why is, you know, how do we know the earth's round? And he was like, because we, because we proved it. And this is how, and he took out like a piece of poster board and like little magnets and like a little like pyramid and a dude. And like, and so I feel like he was really trying to educate us. And while I think there is some of that with Neil deGrasse, I think part of it has become more about his sort of his cachet and his ego and less about the education. And also, he poo-poo's things that I think are—they're really—there's really a lot of hubris in things that he poo-poo's, like that he doesn't really know. He just was like, "Well," and to me, that kind of subscribes in some way to the kind of white empiricism we talked about last week. You know, it's like, dude, keep an open mind. Like, there's a yeah. lot going on in this universe. Yeah, so, anyway. and it's sort of like it's vilifying. Um religion you know i mean not to say that you know like i mean yeah like the you know there's times like the inquisitions in europe which were pretty terrible but i just feel like there's just ways he talks about mysticism yeah. and the mystery and yes. how people were making meaning in their world that i just find condescending and it exactly. is it does have that underlying progressive like white supremacy like and now we're here at this time and it's like no i mean yes. there's a lot of things we think are true will be debunked. Just yes. leave at leave astrology know. alone, Neil. <laughs> yeah. Fun times. So I'll look at my co-stars. It's it's on point. <laughs> it has me pinned. <laughs> Takes um, me down. There you go. I'm a cancer. There you go. <laughs> yes. Capricorn. So yeah. <laughs> let's have a let's so let's talk about Ahsoka, because you meant you 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 talked about it briefly and we have to sort of get into it. And I know this is going to be a brief segment because did we did we talk about upcoming stuff? We didn't talk about upcoming stuff. Did we talk about upcoming stuff now or later? Okay, let's talk. Let's let's get into upcoming stuff real quick. I mean, I am excited about Ring of Power, which I think is coming out in October. Rings of Power, I'm excited about, which I know is like fantasy, but you know, um, we we talked about it last year. Um, I'm excited for this creator movie. I'm less excited about it now because, I, as it turns out, they use some AI in their special effects. But I still kind of want to see it. Um, I know you're excited about some stuff. What are you? I'm so excited for like January, like 2024. Give me some more because three body problem is coming out. Oh yeah. And that's oh yeah. Gonna be so exciting. So so we're gonna just have some time to like just really get. Some people, I got to find my tribe. I got to find my tribe to help um, help me experience it. And, I, you know, and I'm dragging you along with it, you know? Like, oh, we're yeah. gonna, I mean, I'm, we're going to do three-body problems. You don't, to, you don't have to drag me that hard. I mean, the other thing, the, 
I, I, I want to mention to people too that you know, in light of the writer's strike that's being ongoing, you know, we are going to continue to, to talk about and, and critically analyze shows um, that have already been written um, and produced um, before the strike started or you know we're wrapping up around that time. But we are talking about some alternative things that we can begin to talk about, discuss, and review should the strike continue, uh, because we are and remain in solidarity with labor. Period. Um, so we will probably be looking at some books to talk about and review, and that actually wouldn't be a bad tie-in to talk about. Maybe even start in the holiday season, start talking about three-body problem, and then moving into um, the, the discussion of the show. I think so. I mean, it's so rich. It's so problematic. It has so many things, um, mm. you know, so I'm very excited. I mean, you know, you understand mm. Marvel. I mean, Loki was good. Um, you know, like I really enjoyed that series. So I'm, I'm looking forward to season two. I enjoyed hopefully. it too. Hopefully I I'm not like, but I'm not trying to be a scab. So you can always rein me in, you know, you're like, Oh no, we can't watch that. Um, I, I feel like, yeah, I mean, right now, like on a fantasy level, because, you know, I love a good fantasy. Um, I am watching Wheel of Time, the second season, and, and it's really interesting. I'm, I'm actually enjoying it. Um, and my daughter, we were watching it, too. So there's times we got to look away. I like, look away. And she tells me to look away. But I'm like, you know, it's like. So, oh, but why? It's, it's like. Yeah, is, it's not. Is, is, Maureen, is Maureen getting naked? Oh, okay. So yeah, like, folks okay. get na- naked. <laughs> folks get naked. Now you see more of the um, the dragon. I forget his name. And I mean, Lan. I love Lan. Oh my gosh, Lan and um, oh, I'm so Nineveh. Great. Nineveh, yeah. Nineveh, Nineveh, like yeah. I'm butcher. I'm bad with names. I'm bad with dates. I'm a historian. they may be pronouncing it Nineveh in the show. I haven't watched the show. I just remember like when I saw it in the book, I was like Nineveh, or you know, I was like, I wasn't Nineveh? sure. So You're like, it would be good great to know. lotion, high end lotion. No, but, I mean, <laughs> but her character <laughs> Nivea, <laughs> that lotion right. saved my skin when I was a little girl. Um, but no, I mean, these are two great characters of color, and it breaks out of that binary of like interracial relationships, but it's like an Asian man and a mixed race black woman and and it's just like and they just have amazing chemistry so i'm like all for that i mean and he's just you know they're both just beautiful people and just like great characters um you're seeing a little bit of the story arc like their um character development which i like you know like i'm seeing that like how they're kind of building that out um you know, I mean, obviously there's like critiques, but I'm just kind of like, okay, I'm doing this without thinking too much. And I do plan on probably doing like the audio books of it eventually. Cause it's, I mean, I just don't really have time. the space. Yeah. I don't really have the space to like sit and w- read because I have to multitask. I have so many buckets. So there are some good books where you're just like, I could do this on a drive. I could do this while deep cleaning my house. I could do, you know, like it's just, those are the things that, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm cleaning my. I, I read all the I read all the books except for the last two. Okay. Yeah, so I think there were twelve. I think. I'm like, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. No, I mean, it's just like. Because <laughs> I was like at the store every year looking for that book release, 
and I will tell you why. Let me tell you because you don't you don't need to give me props just yet because I'm gonna tell you why I stopped reading them. I loved um, Robert Jordan, but his obsession with wardrobe changes drove me crazy. And like hell in the clothes, I couldn't deal. I could I when I tried I, to read it in high to school. A, to a degree, to a degree, yes. But then he got to this point where it was like, and then Elaine went to change into her red dress and her and her white frock with the red with like the white hose. And I was like, Good lord, my man. And then and so then like I, I saw a picture of him and I was like, Okay, that makes sense. Cause he was wearing like a leather, like wide brim hat with like this one of those like um medieval like 15th century like ruffled collars and i was like yeah okay that makes sense you know? love that but i still was and like then, well he passed I so it. then it was the next next author so maybe you were when the next author like they just didn't have that like well there's also like hold that in i felt like he was just <laughs> i felt like he was just kind of taking he was just sort of to use a british term kind of taking the piss at the end because it was like every book it's like you know, the evil one is coming and Asmodeus is coming and, you know, all the, it's, they're coming, right? Rand it was, and, and Rand was bellyaching about how he didn't want all this power thrust upon him and everybody's coming and everyone's going to come and kill him, but they never showed up. And I was like, okay, I you know, I'm, it was like an abuse, it, it, you know what I mean? It was like being in a relationship where you're being just gaslit, you know? Yeah. And like when I finally, when I finally walked away from it, like, yeah, I was raw for about six months, but then like the clouds parted and whatnot and I was all right. You're free. You're free because you're waiting for that. You're waiting for Shay. It was a Shaitan. Like you're waiting. Yes, the first the six books I will, always, I will always love, but each book was like 750 pages long, and if you cut out the wardrobe pages, wardrobe changes, it would be like <laughs> minus 200 pages. Jamie, that would be, be a like great abridge. Like totally managed. Huh? Yeah, that's that would be a great abridge because I first read Alexander Dumas abridged version my that my brother had when I was in third grade. So I was like, I love the abridged version. So you know the story, you know what to expect. But yeah, like the I tend to skip, I speed read. So you know, yeah, I just when I when I opened it in high school, like everybody was reading, and I was like, I can't, you know, like it was just yes. And the book covers they it, look terrible. Like if the cover yes. art, like they were the most unsexy characters, I just couldn't do it. I just, just like my speciesism. Yeah. I can't. Dostoevsky was the I, same way, right? Brothers Karamazov <laughs> had like four sub novels in it. It was crazy. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. That, okay. Like, but I feel, I, I do, I want to say, I feel like if they really want to milk the Robert Jordan thing, they need to have like a visual sketchbook of the clothes. The they didn't rivers. change their clothes mean? that much. They did not change their clothes that much. I but I'm am just saying based on the book, you know they do that for other for other properties. They always have like these yeah. like Dune has tons of companion books. Right? So there should be like a fashion compendium for yeah. the wheel of time. That, just they saying could work if anybody it. wants to do that. Yeah. I okay. yeah. I wish I went to school of design. Maybe that could be my next like hustle. That's gonna be our <laughs> hustle. Um it's gonna be our hustle. <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna it go to be, Comic Con. It could be a trope. Instead yeah, of like friends like to lovers, it could, it could, <laughs> friends to lovers, it could be like it could be like hose to three three rivers linens, right? <laughs> but yeah, no, this is um, yeah, I'm very very much interested in, in the fashion, which I don't know how to do an awkward segue, but I feel like that there was a lot of 
wardrobe things, I was still noticing wardrobe in Foundation. Um, Foundation is still a beautiful series. So one of oh, my gonna... friends had noticed that they said that we bag on Foundation. We don't like that show. And I was like, I do like it. It's just so much to critique. I do like that show. Wait, who said that we, who said, who, who said we don't like it? <laughs> Lila said that. I like it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I like it. I yeah. enjoy it. Cause are we, are we, so, are we segueing to, are we going to Foundation? We're going to skip over Ahsoka? Oh, Ahsoka. That's literally three minutes, oh, yeah. by the way. Okay, let's do that three-minute Ahsoka. Here we go. Okay. You, she woke She woke up in the ghost dimension. She had a weird little lightsaber fight with Anakin. And then she got inside the mouth of a whale and warped into the next galaxy. Meanwhile, General Syndulla's outside with her son in a tactical environment looking for Ahsoka's body, trying to piece together the things that happened in the previous episode. And her son, who, according to the droid, is has abilities is able to sense Ahsoka and helps the the uh, the X-Wings find her. So that was totally a filler episode. In, in fact, we've had like two filler episodes. And in, in fact, there was so little content, it's well, there's almost nothing to critique other than that there was literally nothing in that episode. I feel like the credits are longer than the actual story. I was watching the beautiful visuals. I'm really upset that she's sitting there flying with her son. Like, it's a very dangerous mission she's on. And, yes. I mean, they almost got killed by that giant ship. But also, as you mentioned last week, it's not really even the Ahsoka show. It's everybody else's damn show. It's General Sindula's son's show. It's the Ezra Bridger show. It's the Sabine Wren show. It's the Dark Side Jedi show. It's Lady Elspeth's show. But it's not. It's not dirt. And now it's Anakin's show. Yeah. I mean, Ahsoka has so much great potential to have such a rich story. I mean, I, could, I mean, we talked about it. It's like, what, what could that be like to have somebody that close to you be like the most powerful Sith Lord, like just super powerful. That has to be scary. And and when people are saying like, yeah, I, I see that in you, what type of, like, you, you know, like there's, I, I maybe it's like she's played with so much self-assuredness and this like that. And so that just kind of makes the stakes a little bit less for me. Like, I just, I feel like, like, it's just hard for me to be like, yeah, like, I just, there's so much plot armor, but I also know she's not going to yeah. do anything wrong. Like, she's so cool. She's so, like, yeah, like, I mean, I, mean, she did I have wrong. my moments. Tr she trusted Sabine twice. That was wrong. But she's still, like. <laughs> right? She's just giving looks. And the funny thing is <laughs> that her character in the cartoon is, like, oh, is always, like, wisecracking. And it's, like, you can't have a wisecracking Auntie Jedi. Do you know what I mean? Like, why can't you? Why can't she be more wise? You know, like imagine, like you know how aunties are. Aunties are like withering with their passive aggressiveness, right? Like Sabine Wren. Sabine Wren is like this, like this. She's a mess, right? Which is just plenty of fodder for Ahsoka to be like, oh yeah, well, I mean, if you had paid as much attention to your Jedi training as you dreamed about being with Ezra, we'd be, we would have won the galaxy already. Like, where, where's the why? 
Do you know what I mean? And also, where is the wisecracking Afro-Latina? Like, that's that was a perfect cast. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So why not u- utilize that? And I blame Dave Filoni for that because he's he's helming this show. Yeah. So the the writing is um, I'm fleshing out her character. It's like that, you know, maybe the, her direction in that. And it could be like, you know, all that stuff is stiff. So she's like, you know, yeah. she always has, I can't even do the smirk, but it's, it's right. fine. I'll right. finish it. I, I guess like I just remember Ahsoka from Clone Wars because um, I felt like with the CGI was still decent enough that she didn't look completely ash. I mean, they looked a little bit ashy, but you know, a lot of the CGI stuff, like they just look so ashy and blocky and it's hard for me to feel some kind of way when I'm watching CGI. I kind of prefer like where it looks hand painted you know like where you have like the artist you know the human touch in the in the animation so um and then characters like when you're watching people it's like it's like if i watch a zombie cartoon i'm not going to be freaked out the gore is just not the same so it's like you know it's i i'm not saying that but it's like the but i did like clone wars i felt like it deep in the world for me. And that sure. was very interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm okay, you know, like, but it's not necessarily like, I, I feel like I want more, like I really loved Andor the Mandalorian, um, was good. And even though you kind of know, like there's the plot armor there, but it's like, you're just so endeared to, to the characters, you know, and how they're growing. And I'm not necessarily seeing character growth here or deepening or understanding inner motivations. So I would love to see that a little bit more, especially that we have a woman of color, even if she's orange. Yes. She's, she's always going to be Borico underneath that makeup though. Right. And the horns. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we can like, you know, I feel like we can, I think there's the, the tropes like where they're trying to do that samurai warrior. Like, so they're trying to get into that, the Orientalism of like, you know, the equanimity and like, they're not really showing like how people master rage or how they may master hurt and loneliness and things. And so it's, it's just, um, I think they kind of, um, yeah, you know, it's just like the fights that are too good. like, Hmm? That show's getting canceled. Yeah, I don't I mean what are the reviews? Anyway. <laughs> I, I I don't remember, but I don't know, actually I haven't read the reviews. I just know that I'm like um but We're let's not doing so, okay, it so next we, time. We have other shows. <laughs> like, well, I mean the thing is if if, watch. They, if it improves and they begin to center her more, then yes. But right now the show is about Sabine and Ezra and the, and Ezra is so far an abstraction and Sabine is not only unlikable but as far as I can tell unredeemable so like morally what she did was so reprehensible she should have just converted to the dark side instantly by handing that map over right yeah she should have been here's here's the map and then her eyes would turn red and she'd have a red lightsaber like whatever um yeah it's, and it's true 
and I want to see Rosario. I want to see Ahsoka. Like, I want first of all, I want to like you learned about this these through these these flashbacks of her during the Clone War. But they didn't tell you anything about her. They once again they used a white dude as a foil for telling her story, but it was still not completely her story. You know, so I want to know about her life on Togruta, or did she ever go back, or how that informs what kind of Jedi she is, her value structure, her morals. You know, um, you know, she left the Jedi Order because they basically betrayed her. Like, and she, but she's like, I don't want to talk about that. No, talk about it. I want to hear about it. There's the couch. I'll be your therapist for this episode. <laughs> Yeah, we we want to be that. We want to be that for her. We want to understand. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's it's it's. I I also feel like that if you didn't watch Rebels, it's like you just missed a big piece. You know, like you could you could start the Mandalorian and just really enjoy it. You know, even like I felt like with the Obi Wan, you could kind of like watch that and really enjoy that. You know, like because it had Reva. So it's the name Reva. Reva like she was great um yeah. you watch andor without watching rogue one and get into that world um i've known some people that they did and they really enjoyed it and that's the ideal series and so i'm just like well i don't know if that has the formula like what were the what is the viewership of rebels how much of that you need to be like and now we just want to have the continuation I don't know. I think I think the show was made pretty much for people who kind of fetishized Rebels. Mm-hmm. Like I like Rebels also, but it wasn't like my be all end all. And so I think they just made the show rather than trying to expand the fan base, they they made it for the existing fan base and that's always a mistake because you know there's going to be a level of attrition from people because to me re- watching Rebels is what made Ahsoka disappointing. So is it, do you think, would it make it, so it'd make me like it less if I went back and watched Rebels? Oh, um, yeah, because the, the character, even though it's kind of, because first of all, I'm not a big fan of that type of animation, but even though, and, and, and the episodes are 20 minutes long, and they're not terribly deep, but you get more of a sense of who Ahsoka is. She has more personality. She's not sitting there with her arms folded and like nodding, right? And like one one word quips. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and let's be clear about something too. Rosario Dawson is not only gifted, but she is an accomplished actress. You know, utilize that. She's not being utilized. I don't know anything That's about the current frustrating. Person yeah. And you're not seeing the emotions or just the thought patterns. Like, you know, there you could have the subtle acting, but that's not there. So, I mean, it is frustrating, you know, which is a common thing in, in these series um, is the underutilization of Black women characters, of Afro-Latinas. Like, we have range. We don't have to be all, like, extra sassy, you know? Like, there is subtlety and things that we may be burying and hiding as we're navigating things. And yet in most stories, it's like they play black women as loud and sassy and, you know, like 
angry or just super loving and caring and motherly or, you know, it's like we just have to be always the next level and never, you know, like it's just like we're never the ones rescued. We're never the princesses. Except for we have one princess. We'll talk about that who gets rescued. But she does, right. you know, unless you're the tragic mulatto, then you're not going to be that princess. So, mm. you know, I mean, how come we're still stuck in tropes where black women, it's like that they have to be such badasses all the time in all the series. Right. Yeah. Why can't she be? I mean, I get it. She's had kind of a solitary existence since leaving the order. But why? Why couldn't she have? I mean, clearly she has a connection to General Sindula. Why can't she have moments of sort of vulnerability and doubt, you know, mm-hmm. and and say, hey, look, I'm I'm force sensitive, I'm a former Jedi, and I understand how these things can be pervasive and even toxic and poisoning, particularly for someone mm-hmm. who's force sensitive. So I'm telling you this now, so I can kind of just, you know, dispel it. You know, why can't they have a moment like that? Why can't she have a moment with Sabine Wren? Like, because think to me, it would make Sabine Wren's betrayal more effective as a story as a story idea not a trope where she said not not we're leaving the ship can i trust you no we're in the ship and look sabine look i know that you and i have some junk that we get to sort through because back in the day blah 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 but you know i i want you to know x y and z you know so like have my back please ace boonkoon right and then she betrays her and then it's like then you show this sense of because she's like oh sabine betrayed me hmm. you know you know why not show the abject suffering i feel like pain. i looked at eyebrow i only got one side though you she's know, very much, good at that though i have to admit too much I have to botox admit. it's like oscar worthy eyebrow lift okay <laughs> so let's okay so let's so we we actually gave star wars like 15 minutes maybe longer okay, so good. we did good let's, we 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 found some stuff to we found some stuff to bag on. Um, yeah. I do want to say It'll really quickly. Always fine. I'm just I'm just make my show the hater show. I am going to be like hate, Marguerite hater the raid. hater. Haterade. Haterade. Yes, that'll be a segment just like we had dystropia. And I'll be like my hater. Dystropia. <laughs> Haterade. Well, we'll actually get like Haterade and be like take a sip. Um, <laughs> so. I, I will say before we st- before we start tearing down foundation, I will tell you, I did appreciate the 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 whisper drive, the long arc of both that quantum technology and the whisper drive implant that Hober Mallow had in the early episodes. I appreciated that coming to fruition over that long ass arc. Now, having said that. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let. You, I'm gonna let you start with all the junk that's wrong with this bad boy. I mean, here's the finale, right? So, yep. I mean, maybe, and I'm terrible at doing the beat, so you could kind of correct me. So, so we get to the whole thing. This planet is destroyed, right? And they're out there in the ships, and they're like, "Yeah, well, Empire's like, give me all the names of the planets because we're gonna destroy every planet where you." one over foundation and so they're just going to send all these ships right and so then it's like the captain's like wait a minute this is you already did this atrocity and i i said yes to prevent more atrocities so this is like bell what's his name bell rios Rios. so bell's like nah man and he's like looking and then they just go into this knockabout dragon fight meantime 
who oh, does? Empire. Oh, Empire. Empire, which... Brother Dusk, with his, you know, like, the one lady, like, I mean, he did, did he give her memories back? But he just let her watch her memories, right? So he was just like, you know, even though, like, I took your memories, let me watch the video, you know? It's like, yeah. so they're there, kind of still bonding, kind of like going over that. And that's where, um, oh, I mean, I'm blanking on her name. Lady that's like this all the time, you know? Demerzel. She's, she's like, Demerzel, Demerzel, she comes through and she's just like, talks a long time like she's gonna kill him, you know? But she's like, she's kind of sad, you know? So it's like, she's yeah. like, I'm gonna have to decant some new ones, but I'm gonna have to get rid of you. Um, you know, I'm gonna have to get rid of the other one. And, um, you know, and then he like, he's like, he hugs her. Um, and that's like the mark, right? So he sends a he sends a little sign on Demerzel's neck based on a story that he told Brother Don, which was like a little green mark to say that's the betrayal. And so Brother Don, who we you know, like he's he's like, you know, he fell in love with, you know, Queen, what's her name? Sarah. Sarah, Sarah. You know, so, you know, but he, he's now fertile. So he fertilized Sarah. He's like, he asked her, he's like, how you like your eggs, girl? Fried or fertilized. <laughs> Fried or fertilized. Oh, my God. And she's pregnant, right? She was right? like, cloned, cloned, baby. <laughs> I like my eggs cloned. So, so they're like, so he sees the symbol, right? Like as, um. Sarah is getting arrested because Demerzel set her up. And so he's just like, okay, he, he helps Sarah escape. And then they do that whole thing where they can like cosplay as other people. So they, they give their speech and they, um, yeah, they take off. So basically they take off to the sunset to not be found. Demerzel is like, so at the end, I mean, oh, so, and going back to this the ship thing somehow that setting with that hyper the whisper drive instead of like all those ships their jumps are into other ships coordinates so it's like explosions 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 and it can't be stopped and then um brother day has a big fight with bell rios and it's like a nasty fight they're just like bleeding everywhere it's just like Man, I don't know. Like, I, I hope they got tested before because it's a lot of cross contamination <laughs> happening. I was like, like, it was just really nasty. So, but using that like body switch, Bell, Re Bell Rios launches. Cobra Mallow. Cobra Mallow, yeah, no. Sorry. Cobra oh, Mallow gave no. The technology. Gave him the tech, but gave Bell Rios the technology. So, in the middle of that fight, then Bell Rios switches out and he launches. Well, first we thought it was Bell Rios going out to space, but it is Brother Day. So he's just like, ah, and freezes right, in space. He, well, he really yeah, spaced, spaced himself. Yeah, he spaced himself. And, um, and you know, and then they go like for the, sh the ship, you know, so they, they're like, there's only one person who could survive. So they have, um, is it Brother Chance? Brother Con Constance. Constance, Brother Constance. Brother Constance survives because um, um, she has hope. She's very hopeful. 
and Hober Mallow and Bell Rios, they drink this terrible wine and crack a joke before they die. And um, the end. And so, yes. oh, oh, Over and time. then so, so yeah. So like in the end, all the people on that planet, all these like telepaths and stuff, they're like, yes, finally we're free. Yay. You know, so, um, so we're thinking everything's all good. They changed the thing. So we have mom and daughter plus, um, Harden, I'm going to butcher his name. Silver Harden, like, yeah. Silver so Harden, and they're like, yay. And then one of the little kids still has oh, a little bit of talent. Gosh, did you hear my Alexa? Alexa, I was not talking to you. Um, so the little kid was taken over and then tries to assassinate um, Gail, but uh, Gail's daughter goes to save her mom and dies. And then they they actually go to hypersleep for like the next 150 years to wake up, you know, to teach every little thing, right. you know. At the next reminders. crisis. For the next crisis. Wait, right. Yeah, but you but know what? It has, but we end the episode with Demerzel having the um, cute, what is that thing? What is that? You go like the, clone, the, the, the decanted clones. Oh, the, the, uh, the, the clones. The prime meridian. So like that. So she can't read it yet. She's a robot. She's really old. She knows a lot of things. So that's the episode. How's my <laughs> recap? I tried. Yeah. No, it was it was great. It was a good a good recap. So like, what's you know, where? So yeah, like. What's your first sort of issue with this episode? Like, like, if you're running a whole empire, you are not going to the front lines ever, 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 ever. You are going to be in your main place, safe, just like every other, like, top ruler. You know, they're not going to the front lines. Those those days are over. That was the medieval times, you know. They're not doing they're not they don't have to prove their warriorness once you just press a button. Um, so that's one. Um, and then to fight over that and they're just all watching. Like I was just like, So we're gonna go down mono you know, mono y mono. I just I just didn't buy that fight scene. Empire yeah. against Bel Rios, like really. And I think also because you know the emperor emperor has a Praetorian guard, and he told him to stand down. Except here's the flaw in that: Praetorian guard can't stand down, right? Their allegiance is to the emperor, but they don't really have to obey the emperor. Their job is to keep the emperor alive, right? That's it. They don't have any other job, so they can't. And and that that was that was a function that was sort of. In they were instilled with at the at their inception, at least according to the original Roman Empire. So it's weird that they sat there and basically watched while, you, like you said, the Emperor Brother Day involved himself in a fight, a fist fight with El Rios. And it's like you knew that he was like I know that like okay, Empire probably receives a lot of hand to hand combat training and stuff, and he's probably got El Rios is a lifetime soldier, right? And he's like sixty, right? Maybe like in his fifties. Like there was no way that 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 fight was going to be as one-sided as it was. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, yeah, I mean, it was, it was just kind of, I mean, I feel like they, they did the fight because they, they wanted to do something with what I told you I'm bad with names. I didn't eat any of my coffee. Cobramala. With the this is our emperor, emperor man. Brother Day, Empire, Lee Pace. Empire, Lee Pace. They wanted, they want to show, like we want to show Lee Pace. We needed to see the physicality of Lee Pace, and just no. So, so yeah, like reach wise, I don't think the character that played Bell Rios could like really get in that close as long as like sure. Lee Pace knew what he was doing because like. A throw a kick out like Lee Pace had like long like he has long limbs so I was yeah, just he's like a foot like, taller than Bell Rios. Bell Rios is a small dude. Yeah, so there so there was actually interesting maneuvers that I actually I was like oh he did that like is that a real thing like I was just like because uh, I mean I don't know like I, it was an interesting fight I thought it was like very um bloody for some reason like I was just like okay they're really like playing this up a lot. Cause they looked really terrible in it. Um, I think they could have done some other things. Like, you know, maybe other parts would have been bloody, you know, like, but it was just like, that was interesting. So um, I also felt like Hober Mallow just lacked gravity for what he was like, just this wise cracking. And he wasn't that funny. Um, right. And his connection, so-called connection with Brother Constance, just didn't feel close. Like, he didn't really demonstrate their relationship, didn't develop. I just felt like that that connection, that goodbye kiss, I was like, unnecessary, you know? Like, yeah. it just, I mean, unless that to was me, like a kitty yeah. kiss. I don't know. But it, was like, just... but it was still like a space, it was like a space booty call. Like, they never really elevated that relationship beyond I want to get in your pants. Do you know what I mean? And so yeah. it, when they when it was like when he was saying goodbye, it was not believable. Yeah, and she was like, and I was like I mean she'd have been like, dang, I'm glad I'm getting up out of here. Whew, thank God he didn't put himself in this position because he's a scam artist. Like that right. would have been something, but I felt like like they just kind of squandered his character. Like he could have had depth. I think they could have had him a little bit wisecracking, a little bit serious, a little bit jaded, but he find his hope later on, you know? Um, but yeah, they they kind of, some, some of the characters, because I felt like in the season one, when Brother Don fell in love with that one woman that betrayed him, like you kind of showed relationship development, like what you discover right when you spend time with right. someone, you know, like what opens up for you as you open up to someone. And I just didn't see that with brother Constance and Hober Mallow of like him cracking his shell. Like, and he just cracks a joke at the end is like, and that's it. Yeah. So I was like, I didn't feel like the gravity of that, of Bell, you know, it's like Bell Rios was like, thank God, like this is, you know, like, I mean, he just went through a lot, you know, he was like right. in the prison planet. He lost his husband. Lost his husband. Yep. Yeah. On this planet, you know, and I'm he's calling, just like, I'm, by, the, I'm, by the way, I'm, I'm calling dystropia on that escape pod. I'm calling, I'm calling this one 
there is room for both of us on this door. <laughs> Trope. There's room for two people in the escape pod. It'll be warm and cozy. Maybe you know, you know time talking, you need. You know what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, Titanic, right? right? Yeah. Exactly right. Okay, so like, and people, and I've seen a bunch of dumb articles explaining why it wouldn't have worked because they would have been partially submerged. No, there was enough room for them on on him on that door. Okay, there was enough room, and and honestly, if they were if they were really that angry about not having enough time to just sort of get busy, dude, it's small in that castle, right? They could have been in there and been like, you know what, we ain't got nothing else to do except get busy till we get rescued. We're gonna get busy. We they did, they but did. it's like it they could have gotten like, more. They could have they could have gotten more busy, right? Just more busy. What if they she's like pregnant? Get... They're like this trophy. Is she's pregnant. They're always knocked up. <laughs> like whenever just people, it's like, why do people always get pregnant in such a short amount of time? You know. So it's like, and then and this is the second person that they expelled out through a little pod. You know. So it's like, do we are we always doing this all the time? There's one survivor, one person. Hello? Oh, there was a little, there was a little pause there. Yeah, I, I'm calling that, that that second trope. Get busy till we get rescued. <laughs> we make a new trope. We make a new trope, right? That's like yes. the the um, Blue Lagoon syndrome, which yes. was in Matt Cross, right? You know, they were like in there. <laughs> yeah. So, I do want to, I do want to mention. So, um, the the the, the Harry Seldon part, which I had a kind of an issue with because he obviously um you know gail used her psychic powers to make you know to, to to make people think that harry had died and he hid and then came in at the last minute to save them and i thought that 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 did restore some of gail's agency jamie in terms of combating Talon, but not completely it was still kind of a too little too late but the thing that bugged me about this, and I'm sort of skipping ahead a little bit, but at the end when they were talking, and she 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 wanted Harry to to come with her, to you know to to go into the sleep pods, you know, and and then they would wake up at the same time and whatever, because she said, "I know now that I can't do this without you," and that undid everything, right? It was literally like he is essentially kind of handing her this power, and she's handing it back to him. And and really, what I want to see one of these days is I want to see a black woman being like, "Bye, thank you for the Deuces. power, but bye." Deuces. She's like, "Deuces." Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's. I mean, it's one thing if you're just like, "Hey, like it'd be nice, like I lost her," you know. But she, and then all of a sudden she's family, and I'm like, "Were you that?" It seemed like she resented him, and then all of a sudden he's family. That's like I just a line that just yeah. didn't. Yeah. ring well like you know it just didn't sit right with me because i'm like wait like that's a short time to be family because she was really mad like she left him to go crazy in his consciousness they had an antagonist antagonistic relationship and then she's just like okay she is still struggling with i mean which i think is something that you know could have just you know maybe just the words that they use, but it's like, you know, like, you're like, okay, like, she's like, you're the only person that knew me when I was like, lived a regular life, or like, you're only linkage to anybody that could possibly remind me that I had a family, like, I'm 300, you know, 
I'll be 300 years in the future and old dude, you know, you got to kind of remind me, like, it'd be nice to talk to somebody that doesn't look at me like a goddess, you know, like, cause you know, so maybe like it could have, I'm just like a little bit of nice writing, you know, just a little, a couple more words. We could have landed that like her kind of scrambling for something. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. Like I just felt. It, it was I less up for me like, and more. Go ahead. Yeah. Like that community, what type of conformity, like you can't get kids to stand in a straight line they were all like, you know, like solemn and followed orders and knew these rituals. No, I'm not, I don't care how much you'd like, do you know how much you have to frighten children to keep them to like to stand in a straight line and not do something weird? But, you know, like I just felt like there, I was like, why? Why? What's going to happen? Because they had that one girl with the crimped hair. And at first I thought she was going to do something shady. But then she was just like, I'm looking. And there was like, maybe there's a reason why she's being pointed out. But if there isn't a reason, I'm going to be really mad. And I'm going to be like, what was happening with the cinematographers and the writers where they kept pointing to that girl with the crimped hair and she had a certain look. And then, I'm sorry, but the mule... The mule is weird. That's not how I imagine the mule. Maybe I just have the book cover thing of the mule, but he just seems like with those weird blue eyes, like a cybernetic creature. So is it right. that? Like he's the mule is like not a real person because his eyes glow in the dark. Right. I thought it was because and it doesn't of the look power. scary. Doesn't look scary. Doesn't look scary yeah. to you. I, I feel like they could have, with a little bit of tweaking here and there, they could have made that ending a little bit better. And I also kind of wanted to go back to the sort of Bell Rios thing where, you know, it's one of these ways that empires, in, in imperialist societies, right-wing fascist societies, you know, you, you think that you can dilute their hatred for the things that they, they aren't by being complicit in what they do, right? Mm-hmm. And and you and you you kind of mention this in the beats, and I'm bringing it up again. And even Glowen said, "Hey, do this thing because if you don't, you know, he's going to jail you, and he's going to do all this other stuff anyway." And it's like, dude, he's going to do it anyway. He's going to do whether you do or you don't, right? Like you're only, you know. And so it was it was strange to me that he actually believed that he would be able to influence Empire. Because because Demerzel couldn't. Demerzel admitted that she couldn't. She was like, I try. I initiated a sexual relationship with you in order to, to because I thought that you would become somebody different, and you didn't. You became this asshole. And you know, Bel Rios is like, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and destroy Terminus because if I don't, then he's gonna destroy it anyway, and I'll be in jail. And it's like, dude, you're destroying Terminus because you don't want to go to jail, right? Yeah. And then he turns around and says, let's go and destroy the other six planets, and it's like seven planets, and it's like, you didn't see that coming. You know, like in this blaze of hatred and ego, you didn't think that he was going to go and murder everybody else. And so I think that's very telling, even though I don't think most people will perceive that, how Empire doesn't just make a courtesan of all of us. Empire makes murderers of us, makes criminals, makes mm-hmm. sinners. How it destroys communities by magnetically drawing one or two people from those communities into itself 
and we allow ourselves to be drawn into it in the hopes that we can save the communities from which we derive. But the truth is that our salvation doesn't lay with the thing that's trying to destroy us. It lays with the communities, the other communities that are nearer to us in our values, in our, you know, in everything. You know, it's that solidarity with those communities that's going to allow us to triumph ultimately and survive. Yeah, I can, can really, you know, this idea that you can reform something from within, you know, it's like, okay, like having having a department, you know, like Department of Homeland Security, which comes, you know, like, it's just like the, and then you're like, yeah, we're going to make sure that it's not racist anymore. And, and then, you know, like, and it's like when it's still like being racist against your community or Islamophobic and it's like, okay, me in the end, if, if in their budget line, they have to manufacture the crisis to keep their budget up, then that will happen because there's people that benefit from it. So they're not just going like, oh yeah, no more wars, you know, like wars are very profitable for certain people. And so um, I just found that there was still a lot of that um, hero worship of warmongers you know, and, um, you know, when I was in high school, one of my assignments was, um, is there European history? And I still kind of think about it. And I was like, wow, like as a, you know, like 15 year old kind of like during the Nuremberg trials and trying to prep witnesses to be like, oh, I was just following orders. Right. I mean, and it was like really a hard thing to do. And, you know, my, my history class was a regular history class, but then after that I was like placed in like honors history. Cause it was like, you know, I mean, it was, I just was really into it. And, um, but at the same time, like this idea of following orders, being a patriot, right. It's, it's like, does patriotism mean that you follow orders that causes death, you know, like that, that causes atrocities and what justifies any atrocities can you you know an atrocity is an atrocity and it an atrocity begets atrocity which that was something in dune probably got it from somewhere else i don't know but i found it in dune atrocity begets atrocity but the idea that like even if it's one like how could you ever really calculate oh i i allowed this atrocity to this small one person to prevent 200 down the line when you're not there with the 200 like you I just don't think that that following that order was an ethical decision like he still was a terrible person you know and then yep. even though he sacrificed he was willing to sacrifice his spouse for that he still was a terrible person because instead yep. of saying no and saying no not because his husband was there but no, because this is the beginning of like this one atrocity can't justify anything, you know, like it's unjustifiable. So I find like, it's almost like they do the circular logic. Yep. Maybe that's like the ethics around it because there's no guarantee. Like this is not an intellectual exercise of ethics. It's just like, do you say yes and allow this person to be killed? It's not, it's not an exercise, it's a choice. And so his choice points were not okay. And then afterwards, then fighting 
one-to-one, mano-a-mano, a hand fight. It was almost right. like he was programmed. Either one, like it'd be one thing if he was programmed and conditioned to do that, which would make sense. Which I would, I would have actually respected that. That these like people at this point are coded to respond to certain commands, and that to do to break that command would be more like would be difficult to do. And that's something right. that we have to do with our biases, right? Like when you have your biases, it's like our lizard brain, our amygdala just really stereotypes everything, simplifies it. Anything that's a threat, it's going to like jump up and do things. And it just takes a lot of grounding, a lot of overcoming that inner programming to of self-preservation to not act on your bias. And yes. so it's like, that is something I I think, you know, like I would love to kind of understand that more you know i would love to see that explored in stories where people overcome that conditioning what can break you out of something you've been trained to do your whole life which is uphold empire uphold whiteness uphold white innocence and instead you're going to say no i'm going to reject this and i'm going to like i you know like i'm going to do something against my entire programming Yes. But instead, you just had, he was just, oh, I'm so honorable. Yes. <laughs> I think there's another element, too. And there's an element, um, let me see. I don't, know, I don't know if you're familiar with the expression Uncanny Valley. Mm -hmm. um, but it is a dynamic in which we recognize, um, it's, it's, it was originally used to determine to describe the relationship between human-like appearance of robotic objects and the emotional mm -hmm. response it evokes, right? And so the valley shows how in the very bottom of the valley is the robots that look the most human, right? And so there's an inverse relationship between how human they look and how negatively we respond to them. And so there's this whole discipline dedicated to making robots agreeable to, to view and to interact with without making them too human, right? So, because it's the knowledge that they're not human that sort of makes us, and now there's, they've also discovered that it's not just robots, it's objects, it's other, so so basically there's a level of, of what's what I'm looking for, of instinctive bias that all humans are programmed with, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you see somebody that maybe looks human or humanoid, but they look so different from you, you're going to react almost instantly with fear. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, which is not to excuse things like racism. The world is small enough at this point that we've, we should, we've got Google, we've seen it all. Right. Yeah. But, but there is an instinctive component to it is, was all I'm saying. And, you know, I've, I've written a couple of stories about that. So, I love that. That is so interesting. You know, and then when we think about like how, like when you're, when you're having people being modified or, you, you know, I mean, this factors in with animation and, you know, like big time, but I'm also, you know, like, it's like that aversion. It's like, and which makes me wonder why do we like those like robot dogs? Like, why do people like those robot dogs? Those look scary. The way that they move is like in the inverted legs oh yeah frightening and um 
I mean, I think that, yeah, like it's, it's like how, like, I guess we have to like really explore the kind of bias with technology, the bias with, um, modification of technology, especially that like people are using it for rehabilitation. And so, um, yeah, I want to know more, like, I'm very curious. And, but what I'm finding is like the uncanny valley of writing, like there's a, maybe there's this uncanny valley of writing. It's almost close to what people would do, but not quite, you know, you'd be like, what would be that person's inner motivation, right? Like, why would somebody go from obeying the emperor to being like, that's your finale scene? Like, really? I, I yeah, I think you're right because I think that there should that, that in writing, and I would be surprised if there wasn't this thing instinctively in humans, where if somebody was like out of the blue, like, "Hey, let's go exterminate seven planets," where you wouldn't feel an immediate level of revulsion and absolute hesitance to that order. Do you know what I mean? Whether you mm-hmm. were a soldier or not, I feel like there's got to be some kind of moral safeguard in some people where they'd be like, "No way." There's no way I'm doing that, you know? So I, I, I'm assuming that's what you mean. Yeah, like it's just like when when the when the actions are just like, are so like, okay, you almost got it, but you're not quite there. Like, you know, like there's some stuff you're like, okay, they're evil. Like, and we've seen that in, in Star Wars or whatever, like, you know, the Death Star, like it's all gone, you know? Like, and you're just like, whatever. But it's just like when you're like, okay, like you've been following this character. He's supposed to have like honor. And we understand, we we understand the things that we really understand in the United States from our filmmaking, from our novels, from everything. We, we have a lot of war movies. So we understand war. We understand policing. We love medicine. Like, those are the three things we're just like, yeah, we're just going to go all into, like, the doctor's choices and what they're making, um, you know, and soldiers and, and cops and how they solve crimes. And and so there's certain things and expectations that we have around these people who have decisions between life and death. And so I think so far, like, if you're having something so far in the future and if your whole empire is resting upon one human being... And these are people that could be modified. So unless there was some coding to say, I mean, but they modify spacers. So why couldn't they modify loyalty and breed loyalty into people and that people would have to break their royal condition? If you're a general, you'd have to be conditioned in this way. And what type of moral threat would that be? I think that's like, I don't know if I could get some time to write. And if I was a talented writer, I mean, I, I really hope like, I'm like, please give me some time. Like, I'm sure, t- I'm sure like time is the only missing that. element here. The missing element, you know, but it's like, I... really let's explore what could break somebody out of that conditioning out of something where they were taught to be. And I find think, this shocking. Like... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to make this, this one last point and, and then I'll let you have the mic to, to um, make your final comments. But, the thing that I find particularly shocking about a show like Foundation, which takes place thousands of years in the future, is this idea that the morale... And it's one of the things that also kind of upset me a little bit about Dune. Um, not upset me, but I, I found hinky. But 15,000 years in the future, the morality of the human being should have, should have evolved, right? Mm-hmm. We, should, we should have evolved on some level past the need for absolute power and domination, concentrations of wealth and power, 
we should have moved past that. Um, and honestly, yes, that's all I'm going to say. Like it's, it's, that's the one thing that's probably most implausible about these sort of hyper futuristic space operas is the fact that everybody's sort of moral construction archetype, whatever is still inside this very narrow, you know, this, this very narrow spectrum, which is, you know, these binaries of good versus evil, good or bad, you know, which are poor, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, sorry about that. My cat is like, yeah, no and speciesism. Yeah, and speciesism. We welcome, <laughs> we, welcome, we welcome cats. So, so yeah, I mean, I mean, I am struggling with the kind of like, well, one, I, I think with the Dune universe, it's like because they had, and I'm just scooting up so she's not sitting on my lap. Um, with the Dune universe, it's like, how could you create a social system that was essentially like um, feudal where without computers, right? Like, so like, what would that social order? So it was like that social experiment, but um, Asimov and, and Herbert were trying to solve the same question around like, how could you predict the future? And, um, and they were trying to do it with a materialist analysis, even though Dune sure. goes into some mysticism, right? Like it just kind of slips into that. Um, but the calculations themselves of foundation, it also feels mystical too. It's just like, oh, here's the here's the math. It's the math, the numbers, you know, that that make it work. And so um, the social order, like I guess I am like the consolidation of power around empire. Empires consolidation is really with the spacers and really, so yeah. yeah and foundation offers an alternative means of transportation without domination and so which yeah which is i mean yeah i mean i guess in this like we we have them like well the whole planet itself it survives like all the peoples i don't know but the plant the people were on the ships that were eventually blown up so like all that technology is basically gone which is a whole other issue I had with that episode, but please go on. Yeah, yeah, because it wasn't it like the spacers, there's a spacer in every ship? Yeah, but I think that like the spacers themselves as a race, they're like off in some alternate dimension or something. So they're cool. They're fine. By the way, I'm very happy about that. I'm very happy about mm -hmm. Afrofuturist spacers like chilling off and beyond the reaches. Yeah, just glowing and stuff. You know, they always got like black people with gold eyes doing stuff. So, you know, wolves, gold eyes, oh, oh, contacts on that brother. It's got to be gold. Right. Um, <laughs> and, but and no, I'm sorry, I mean, but there, there, was, there, was some, there was some soul glow going on, too. There was some S curl. I mean, some Jerry curl going yeah, on. Yeah, they, they, they never could do the curls right, you know. Just space like, space or, Jerry curl. Space Jerry curls. I, I have so much curiosity around the spacers and their horde, and Dude. I want to know more. I want like their whole. I'm, I'm tempted to write something just about them, just to make it make you know, like because it's like that's that was intriguing. I think that was more intriguing than the found foundation itself, and like because yes. it was like really it was like oh they're just keeping encyclopedias, and as somebody who read the whole encyclopedia when I was in elementary school, I mean maybe my little ego would have felt very important by being like, you know, if we put an encyclopedia that kept all the knowledge in this one part of the universe and another encyclopedia on the other, then we can like 
do something like make it make sense that's right. just my thoughts but uh you know I, I i feel like it was pandering to those of us who bought the encyclopedia you <laughs> sold a yeah, lot right yeah <laughs> so okay yeah like yeah we i know we we kind of like we milked this last episode which was like the as a finale i was not like oh my god you know like i was just kind of like i mean i'm happy for brother brother day and no brother dawn and sarah they're gonna have some little ambiguous kids that's gonna be cool i don't know where you're gonna go he has no like he has no skills he has no no job skills, no life skills. What, is, what does I, he know how to do? Can I just say also that that part of the show real quick, that part of the show real quick really kind of gave me like Loving versus Virginia vibes. I don't know about you, but I got some hardcore anti-miscegenation law. Like, we're going to hunt you down. Do you know what I mean? So it had that kind of loving, you know, Loving versus Virginia was a landmark case in Virginia where oh, a black woman married a white man. And, and in Virginia uh, in the 50s, I think 40s, 50s, where they had very strong anti-miscegenation laws, which was basically where if you were white, you could not marry or, or, or have children with a black woman or vice versa. And that like, that just kind of, it, it was really kind of, inst it was instinctive on an instinctive level, level, but it really put a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> Yeah, it was, I, I felt like maybe that's like where they were trying to go with those tropes, right? Where it's just like this forbidden love and, um, and yeah, and the, and the hunt for them, um, was a little, little concerning and, yeah. you know, and her being rescued, you know, it was like essentially her rescuing him. I know him rescuing her, which I was also like, Yes. She, she was very talented. You know, she was very talented. I they like to have, see a little had, bit. They should have had her be. They should have had her be more of a ninja. So yeah. And I, and I gotta tell you, those little masks they put on people are so violent. They're violent as fuck. <laughs> when they put those, they're like they just all of a sudden their faces are covered up. It's like shh, yeah, that was good. Yeah, I mean that 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 was a good effect though. Like I like that yeah. how they do that. It's because those are scary. Yes, you know, like very imagine scary. you lose your senses. So. Visual effects, costumes, makeup. I mean, they did a really good job. Like, I really like the foundation show. for that. It's it's a really yes. nice watch. You know, I love yes. the 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 uh, you know the planets. Even the, the destroyed planet was beautiful. Yeah. And uh, I'll probably watch. I'll watch season three, and we'll watch Lee Pace yeah, get I'm, to I'm gonna watch season three once also. again. <laughs> I'm gonna watch season three. They are planning on having a season three, um, even if. The writer's strike continues for some time. They're planning. David Goyer has said that already in an interview with uh, Inverse. So, but I'm going to wrap this baby up. Thank you once again for being my co-host, for taking this ride with me. I want to thank everybody who tunes in. I am Jay Austin Yoshino. This is my co-host, Marguerite Hill. We are here to critically analyze and deconstruct harmful tropes in TV shows and media like cold-blooded gangsters. And we will be back next week with another more talk, more Ahsoka. Um, I also want to tell people there's another show on on um, on on Apple TV right now called Ch The Changeling, based on a book by Victor Laval, who is a uh, like a horror writer. Um, watch that. That's a good show. We're not going to cover it in this in, in this podcast, but you should watch it. So we will see you next week. Thank you once again, Marguerite. Everybody enjoy your evening. <laughs>